Hello, this is Revel, and you are listening to Rockin' Radio. For Timeline Clarity, the show is uploaded on FINFA March 2009. Um, my guest today is Raw Model, Anthony Anderson, and uh, welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Rebel. Thank you. You're very welcome. I'm all confused today. I can't speak. So <laughs> I was listening to these other women on Twitter. <laughs> and you're on there too, correct? Raw Model? I do have a Twitter, yes. I probably post more on Facebook for some reason, but um, I need to figure out how to hook those two things up. I've been so busy with other things, I haven't got that app going yet. But yeah, Twitter's going too. Okay, yeah, well... Um very easy to do that. We're, we're, that's that's where all, everything I do is connected on Twitter, and it goes to my Facebook, so I can just, all I need to do is do one thing. Mm-hmm. And I get all my responses. When I re- told people, I said I was going to have you on the program, and I put it out on Twitter. And so you're being tweeted about, and people on Facebook were responding. Okay. That's okay. very cool. Yeah, it's so, an amazing time, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> let's talk about you for a minute. Um you went from what to raw? Did you transition? Did you go overnight? How, how did that? How did that come about? I had a really, I had a pretty long transition. I started becoming conscious about my eating habit maybe towards the end of college, maybe my senior year. Kind of, it was not coincidentally um, when I had a lot more time to read books that I wanted to read. And I started reading about environmental issues, and then naturally I just kind of realized how, um, how bad the, the standard American diet was for the environment. And I started watching um, PETA videos online, and it really started to sink in how, how like, wrong this diet was. If I was to consider myself like a peaceful person, if I wanted to be a part of the solution, I realized like eating meat just wasn't a part of the program. So I started cutting out. It was go- I initially went from, like, chicken and uh, maybe fish, that kind of thing, and that started getting cut out, and I just became, like, a vegetarian that would still, if something was, like, served at a meal that I wasn't, like, you know, planning for, I would still eat stuff. But um, I would never go to the grocery store and buy it. I didn't want to put my money towards it. That was kind of the, the idea. And then... um. I kind of went into veganism when I was living in Europe, but it was a lot of rice, it was a lot of pasta, um, so tons of cooked starches. So I never really felt different. There was no, like, breakthrough moment where I kind of went off junk food and I was eating pasta. I didn't feel um, any noticeable change. When I moved to New York at the end of 2004, I was um, I really wanted to take my career seriously, and I, was, I still felt that I could, like, maybe lean up a little bit. So I wanted to try and get rid of those cooked starches. So I started eating a lot more fresh fruits and vegetables. And then um, uh, it was a real strange happening. I was at a thrift store just looking around, wasting a little time, you know, kind of putzing around, and I found a, a book on the shelf that was about raw food. And it was an older book. It wasn't something that was really, like, going to jump out at me, but it, just, it was called Raw Energy. Uh, it was written um, by two women in the U.K. about maybe 25 years ago in the early 80s. And um, I read the back of it, and I was really sold, and it was like $2. And so I took it home, and I read that book, and the, the clean, simple logic just totally convinced me. I've always been a fan of common sense, and, and I, was, I was always open-minded, and this just made perfect sense. Just with, like, killing the food and the enzymes and the natural way to eat, all these things really kind of sunk in all of a sudden. So I started eating like that. 
And um, a funny thing, there's a lot of weird things that kind of happen at the same time. I met a friend who was working at a health food store, and uh, my budget was really tight at the time, so I kind of worked out a deal with him where I would get all the old greens and the old fruits and vegetables at the end of the day that they were going to throw out, like cosmetically damaged bruises, slight, you know, wilting. So I would end up taking home bags and bags of, like, kale, spinach, arugula, and I had nowhere to, you know, to put all this stuff because I was living with four other models in this model apartment. So I had to figure a way to um, get all these greens into my body. So I started juicing. I started making green smoothies. And within two weeks, I felt so different that I was changed forever. Like, I could never go back um, permanently because I felt the clarity. I was waking up after four hours of sleep. Uh, I felt so much energy, and I didn't even expect this. I was just expecting to lose a little weight. And this whole other thing came on, and just the mental change is what totally solidified, like, my belief in raw food. And, of course, like the... You know, I was living in New York the first time. There was a lot of temptation with trying new foods. So I was always kind of feeling like, well, I should try a little of this. I should try a little of that. But every time I did, I would feel, I wouldn't feel as good. One thing was, was because I was eating a lot of it. Like I felt kind of deprived because it was such a basic diet early on with my raw food. It was a lot of green smoothies and green juice and fruit and uh, very little fat for some reason. Well, especially because I didn't want to gain weight. That was the idea. I was kind of, I wasn't plugged in yet about avocados and coconuts. So um, it was a very like lean raw food diet with a lot of greens. So I was just feeling amazing. But then the cravings would come on. So occasionally um, there'd be like a binge. I would feel horrible. But then after about a year, um, that really dissipated. And then I've just been, uh, you know, going raw for about three or four years now. So are you currently following any kind of regimen, or are you basically just following what feels good to you, like intuitive eating or something of that nature? It's definitely intuitive. It's so funny early on. I mean, if you were to talk to me maybe like three years ago, I would have so much like factual information down. I would know these numbers, and I would know, you know, what food does what. And it's all kind of like faded out for me a little bit. I just kind of know what to eat now. It's like uh, in the morning, it's a big green smoothie. It's usually mango, spinach, blueberries, um, maybe dump in some gojis, just, you know, a little lemon, a little apple maybe. Just very, I keep it pretty simple. I try and do a big green juice if I can. Um, if I do eat some nuts, it'll usually be uh, some cashews. Um, into honey, I'll eat honey. Uh, it's just kind of whatever comes along, but I just realized that the more greens I eat, the better I feel, and just to kind of keep it light at nighttime, and that's about it. So, Anthony, since you've started adding nuts and avos, have you found that that really adds fat, or it helps with your with staying lean? Because you've got an awesome body. I mean, it looks better. I saw, I saw your before and after pictures. <laughs> As far as the physical look, it's just as good. It's probably better because your skin is probably a lot uh, more moist. And um, I, I feel like um, I feel more balanced. But when I take out the fat, and this is where that 80-10-10 stuff comes in, I'm not like a, a fervent you know, believer because there's a lot of sugar in that diet, but when I cut out the fat, I do feel a lot more mental clarity for some reason. Mm-hmm. 
So I don't know if, if like, the, the fat cells or something do something with the brain, but um, I can definitely feel sharper when I'm going on the, on the low-fat side. But um, I do feel a little more balanced, and overall, um, you know, the well-being is a little bit better when there, there are fats involved. Okay, we did have a question come in, and um, before I want to talk to you about the permaculture that you've gotten involved in, but before okay. we do, let's just answer this question. Somebody on uh, Facebook asked, is it safe to eat avocados daily as a raw foodist? Oh, I would absolutely, it's probably one of the best fat sources uh, I, I could recommend. I think um, if we could just kind of stagger it, like if I was a smaller female, I'd probably go with like half an avocado. Uh, I've sometimes done two, three. It just it seems like the enzymes in the avocados break it down so well, and it's such an easy fat to eat compared to the nuts and seeds. It's so smooth, and the digestion is so much better that avocados would probably be my number one choice. Maybe it would be coconuts and avocados. When I, when I eat a lot of nuts, when I eat a lot of seeds, sometimes it seems to kind of drag me down a little bit, and I think it's just because of the dense nature of that food. Avocados are so creamy coconuts are so creamy that the digestion is so much easier and you can save that energy for, you know, living your life, doing other things. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you about half an avocado because that's that's what I've been doing lately and I don't know this person's size, but I'm about five, six, about a hundred, I don't know how. And uh, I've been doing like half an avocado and then I did a, f- a full avocado yesterday and for me it was just too much. But okay. half, half was comfortable, so I'm glad, glad you said that. And um, we'll be back in a moment with Raw, uh, raw Model, Anthony Anderson. And which, which uh, website do you want? We've got rawmodel.com.blogspot.com. That's great. That's a great website. Thank you. And Thank just, you so much. That's the main website that I work on. Um, I also write for gliving.tv. They put a lot of my posts on their site. And then um, I occasionally write for the Huffington Post on their green section, green living. And so if you go to rawmodel.com.blogspot, then um, do you get all the connections there? Yeah, the links are all there on the side. Um, even just uh, just to take the confusion out, just rawmodel.com will bring you right to Blogspot site. There you, you go. Got site. All right, so let's go there. Hold on, we'll be right back. Hi, and welcome back to Rockin' Radio. Please check out my newest site, letstalkraw.com, where your questions will be asked of our guests. We've got a full lineup through June 2009 as of this episode. With a small one-time lifetime fee, you can participate in all the interviews by emailing your questions and receive my e-booklet, Let's Talk Raw, an unbaker's dozen of my favorite recipes. This segment of Rockin' Radio is brought to you by the Raw Spirit Festival, which will be held in three different locations throughout 2009. Go to rawspirit.com to find out when and where. At this time, I'm scheduled to speak in Santa Barbara and Prescott, Arizona. Come to see me. Remember to surrender to the blender for optimal health. Follow me on at twitter.com slash rockinradio. And you can also follow Raw Model there as well as Facebook. Now, I met you at Raw Spirit Festival 2008, correct? 2008, Sedona, yes. Yes. So will you be at the uh, upcoming ones in 2009? I'm still working on my schedule. It's I, I have a really tough situation with planning some things because um, a lot of times uh, work comes up and I'm, I'm still kind of like figuring out the drive out there. I'm working on this thing in Minnesota and it's really kind of taking um, all my time up and I'm just trying to kind of 
allocate these little segments of time to make it up. But if I do go, it's definitely going to be Santa Barbara for sure. All righty. Well, I'm going to see you there then if you go. Yeah, I really hope so. I've heard it's so beautiful up there, so I think it's time. Yeah, it's amazing. It's an amazing area, and it's a very mild, mild mm-hmm. area. Um, mm-hmm. So no matter how hot the weather is, it tends to be quite mild there. Anyway, okay. let's talk about permaculture. Would you define that for us first, please? Uh, permaculture is a way of kind of growing, uh, growing fruits and vegetables. Uh, just think of like agriculture, but it's like a permanent, uh, like sustainable system where it's like a closed loop. All the nutrients that you're getting are usually coming from on-site after a while. And so it's like your food, you're eating your food, you're growing it on-site. There's a lot of fruit trees involved. There's, it's basically like edible landscaping, where every plant that you're planting in your, in your garden or in your yard, your landscape, is actually going to feed you. And then by that, um, you're reducing the cost of living. Your food is the cleanest, freshest food available. You're not um, wasting gas. There's no carbon involved in shipping the food to you. Um, the, in, the input is so much less than usual organic farming because, you know, the shipping isn't involved. And, and it's just, uh, I really think it's the answer to so many of our problems on this planet. I think if we were to intentionally live where we could be more connected to the, to the earth, grow our own food, uh, support those local economies where we could be selling, if we grow in excess, selling the extra produce to neighbors instead of the neighbors driving to Walmart and buying their produce. Uh, I think those ideas would make our community so much stronger and make our health, you know, light years ahead of what most people are at. I agree. And uh, I saw on your site you have Path to Freedom, and they are my neighbors, actually. No kidding. Yeah. No kidding. They're they're here in Pasadena, and um, I'll be going to one of their uh, outings on the 22nd of this month. Yeah. Or actually, next month. <laughs> Whatever month it is, I'll be going. Anyway, I, um, question, yeah, that's what I was thinking as you were speaking, is there's so many people complain not be able to afford food, and they can't get the quality of the food. And I, I think something right now, there's a major transition, and I think what you're doing is like a really good plan. Thank you. So let me ask you, Minnesota, cold <laughs> snow <laughs> how how are you doing this for those who live in the cold countries because i hear that all the time oh, I, I can't do raw i'm too it's cold and I, I i can do okay during the day in the evening i have to have hot food what would you say to those people i would say um you just have to feel it out and see where you're at as far as a hundred percent i mean i I went through that struggle early on, and then by my, my second, third year, it wasn't even a consideration. I was doing heavier raw foods in the wintertime, so it just kind of it felt natural. A lot of times I think it's more of a mental thing where you're just you're feeling kind of cold and you think for some reason that that energy is going to, I mean, that warm food is going to warm you up more. But, I mean, if that's the case, you could just do teas. But a lot of times I would just tell people just to feel it out, and if you want, like, a warm uh, you know, a vegetarian, vegan soup, then maybe that's what's best for you right now. And maybe, I mean, I, th- I just see people freaking out over these things so much, like, oh, I don't know if I can do it. I, I want to eat something cooked. And if that's the case, maybe they should still eat cooked. I don't even know. Like, I would just blend it up a little bit longer so it warms up or 
or just have some denser raw food like avocados and and some nuts and seeds and a big salad like that and that was always fine for me or a superfood smoothie i mean it's just a matter i think it's more mind over matter than anything just kind of like get in the in the kind of in the flow with it and see what's really um you know kind of bothering you like maybe there's some kind of feeling of like not even physical coldness but like mental coldness you you kind of look out and you see like you know, there's not a lot of life going on outside, and you just kind of think, like, you want some kind of comfort, so going to go back to the comfort foods. But uh, for me, it took about a year to get rid of that, and then I was just, uh, you know, doing a lot of heavier raw food. And there's also foods that are high in potassium, like, I don't know, you could shred up sweet potatoes. You could, uh, if you're into bananas still, there's, and I mean, those things are definitely warming foods. Uh, cayenne pepper, it, there's ways to get around it. Ginger. Ginger, absolutely. Good one. Yeah. And might I also suggest either put more clothes on, um, turn up the heat in your Mm -hmm. house, or get up and move. Like one of the things I do here is I run up and down the stairs when my ankles ankles have a tendency to get really chilly. So Uh I've been finding that I need to just get up and just run up and down stairs. Now, I am in Southern California, which is not the same as Minnesota or Connecticut, which is where I came from. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't raw at that time, so I really don't have any place to speak. Because, I mean, my low here is about... 30. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, movement is tough here because it really goes from the garage to the car to the parking lot to the store or yeah. to work and then back. That's kind of like the cycle in wintertime. Unless it's nice out, people really aren't walking around. It's a lot of car. It's a lot of sitting at home. So usually what I'll do is I've got Netflix. Um, I get a lot of documentaries on there. So I'll put on a documentary or something, and then I'll do some, uh, you know, calisthenics or aerobics as I watch it in front of the TV. Um, just do some, like, maybe, you know, swivels or jumping jacks or something, like maybe kind of jog in place, mm-hmm. and then I'll watch a, a documentary for 90 minutes, and that way I burned 1,000 calories. That's a good way to kind of get through those humps and um, get over them in the, in the cold, you know. Well, let me throw something else out there. I remember being a kid in Connecticut, and that's when we used to get snow up to the second story. And we couldn't wait to go out and play in it. And trudging through snow, I mean, can you you remember how hot we used to get? We used to be all Uh bundled up, and we'd be hot. Yeah. Trudging through the snow, just sweating. Oh, yeah. The steam just coming out. Yeah. (laughs) The color. Yeah, and what what happened that we don't play like that anymore? We don't look at the outside and go, oh, I can't wait to just wrap up and go play in the snow. That is great exercise. Yeah, children amaze me. I mean, just the activity and the the energy that they have. Adults just don't play at all anymore. (laughs) Most of us don't, no, and and it's something I think it's it's a good thing to get back to. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're built. You've got uh, over 200 kinds of fruits and vegetables. What are you doing now during the winter time with with your uh, garden? Well, I've got this. The only thing that I can really work on is the greenhouse. So I've got this dome greenhouse that I built last fall, and inside, it's kind of a funny story. Like I planted a lot of tropical trees. I had like guavas, avocados, mango, thinking that maybe I could. I could get through the wintertime with, the, with you know, like supplementing the heating. And um, they were just having a really tough time in there. So I ended up having to put those back in containers and bring them down to the house. And now I've got persimmons and figs in there, and they're budding out now. So they're actually 
about two months ahead of schedule because things don't start to butt out here until about mid-April. Mm-hmm. So they're already showing some life, and I'm doing some landscaping inside. I'm doing some rock work and uh, planting some arugula. I've got a lot of arugula going in there, and I'm just kind of getting ready for, um, for the springtime. I'm going to be on the road pretty soon. I'm going to run down to Miami, and then I'm going to go up to New York for about a month. So in that time, um, things will just be getting a little more, um, you know, green. And then I'll come back in, like, early April and then start most of the work, like starting seedlings and, you know, getting the landscaping going, too. It's so, tough with the, with the winter because you never know when the snow is going to stop. Yeah. So it's, it's a little flexible. So when you're out traveling, do you just let things take care of themselves? Usually, my well, one thing, the reason that I did it in Minnesota was so um, it's kind of like a partnership with my parents where it's across the road from them. There was a, a lot of land available, so I bought that lot. And that way, you know, I was kind of thinking about peak oil and just the energy crisis and, and getting food to us. So I wanted to have this sustainable source of food close to my parents mm-hmm. because they're, you know, they're very dependent on driving their car, you know, we live 10 miles away from, from town, so if they didn't have a vehicle or if gas was $10 a gallon, things could be a little tricky. So I wanted to have this food source available to them. And then another thing that's convenient is that if anything goes wrong or if plants need watering, they can go up there once a week and give, the, give them a little drink of water. Fantastic. So it's kind of like a nice thing, and, and hopefully like in two years, three years, everything will be, the fruit trees will be coming and... Um, They'll they'll see that it was worth it. I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard. Not, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. They're not as like um. Well, they're sold now because they're seeing the financial crisis coming in. Yeah. And I was talking about thing for like two years, three years. Like I was, you know, getting the house ready and planting trees. Like saying that you know everything's going to happen. We need to have a, a an affordable food supply. And you know, they just kind of thought I'm I'm like the crazy you know vegetarian son. But now things are starting to come to come to light, and and they're seeing the truth in it. So they're like, okay, he was kind of he was kind of right on about it. So they're a little more um, apt to help with the project. Wow, that's great. Okay, yeah. go to rawmodel.com. You've got a uh, a design on on your site about what, how you're creating that too. Yeah, I need to update that. That was one of my like initial designs, and it's very close to that. But there's a few. Um, extra rows. I've got some different things of, tr- of trees going on. and uh, But that's a pretty close layout to what I've got going on. Okay, and we'll be right back with Raw Model at rawmodel.com. Hi, this is Revel with Rockin' Radio. Please take the time to check out my websites, revelations.com, where you can sign up for my weekly revelations. When you do, you'll receive my latest ebook. Find out about my teleclasses or my books, Revolutionize Your Life in 30 Days, a self-empowering playbook, and Smoothies and Smoothies for Life, also books I recommend on Amazon and more. This segment of Rockin' Radio is sponsored by PhotoBoothLosAngeles.com, the premier photo booth rental company in Southern California. If you know of or are holding an upcoming event, please consider having Photo Booth Los Angeles as part of the festivities. They're available for weddings, graduations, corporate events, reunions, anniversaries, bat mitzvahs, bar mitzvahs, and more. 
This segment is also brought to you by PopsProductions.com, where we can find webinars on web servers, Web 2.0, social media, links to great money-saving online resources, and more. Find out about their latest online classes to improve your relationship with the Internet at PopsProductions.com. Remember to check out Let'sTalkRaw.com, where you just might hear Raw Model because we definitely have to either have you back on Rock and Radio, have to have you on Let's Talk Rock, because you've got so much fun stuff going on here. Oh, I'm count me in. I'm there. All righty. Now, l- let's talk about somebody who lives in the city and really doesn't have access to land outside their door. What would you suggest for them? Uh, I would suggest looking at a website called squarefootgardening.com. I found um, found Mel's site a while ago, and it just it was the best way to, that I found to start off. Um, Early on in my path, I had a friend in uh, New York City, and he had a, a decent little balcony, and I built a square foot garden over there. And I started off with seedlings. We started off with good soil, uh, and it, it just exploded. That garden was so good, and he couldn't believe that I got that kind of produce out of that square foot garden. And it was just a little raised box, a cedar raised box, probably eight inches tall, and then one foot wide, and as, and then as long as you want it to be, and you can just grow. Well, the, sorry, back it up a little bit. The square foot garden is four by four usually, but you can just do a strip of like four feet long, one feet wide, one foot wide, and then you can just you can grow whatever you want to. I mean, as an apartment dweller, you might not have a lot of uh, square footage, but you might have a little more vertical, so you can always do something with vines. You can do cucumbers climbing up your wall. You can grow um, ink berries. You can grow goji berries. You know, any, anything that's going to go up a little bit. And, uh, I mean, the possibilities are really endless. It's only, um, you're only limited to what you think you can do. I mean, there's, I'm growing, I've got four trays of wheatgrass growing upstairs right now. There's sprouts. You can always have little things sitting in the window. As long as you're feeding your plants enough, they don't really need that much space to grow. It can be more intense. So, I wouldn't limit myself to thinking that it's impossible. I think a few little planter boxes and just planting some seeds. Basil's a really easy one to start off with. Um, it, it wouldn't be a hard thing, even blueberries in containers. Hmm. Okay. And uh, we've done earth boxes. Well, I, I did earth boxes, and I lived in a oh, second-floor yeah. apartment. And what we did was... Um, put them on one step, one end was on one step, and then I had a support like two steps down. Uh-huh. Because, you know, you can't have it going angled down the steps. And so I had three right. of them going down. I had tomatoes, cucumbers take over the world, though. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys are crazy. <laughs> and uh, th- so that's what we did. But also, how about um, community gardening with people in a, in a vacant lot? Um, absolutely. If um, if it's possible, if you're lucky enough to have something going on over there, I would totally, totally go with that. Rent out a, a, a spot and show people really some new ideas, show them about, like, sea minerals. Um, there could be a lot of, like, uh, good ideas shared between the people. And another thing that I kind of thought of last year was not to limit myself to um, where I lived as far as, like, uh, my apartment or what I could grow on site. I was thinking more about, like, uh, public parks and just areas around where I could start planting seeds and seeing if they grow and then come back a few months later and harvest them. And, of course, if you're in the city, you have to worry about pollution or, or like, dog pee or something. But if you're, like, more in the suburbs and you've got a public park, maybe that's something you'd want to consider. 
um, just throwing out some dandelion or some lamb's quarters and seeing if it takes. Uh, just a lot of a lot of opportunities. I mean, the world is the garden. You can plant wherever you you hope to plant. Um, had a question here, and it's just disappeared. But I'm going to ask you a different one. You do some wild food foraging. How's that work for you? Oh, it's it's good. It's it's uh, nature is a buffet. It blows your mind once you once you have the info, and the info's always been there. But once you finally plug into it and realize the abundance around you. Pretty much all, except in the wintertime here, but like otherwise all year round, there's always food. And it's, I, it's just so funny that the best food that you can eat is the, is the cheapest food. All it takes is a, is a nature walk. And it's the same way with growing your food. It's like everybody complains, not everybody, but a lot of people do complain about the price of raw food. But if you really go further with it and produce it yourself and, and forage in the, in the fields or in the woods, the diet pretty much becomes free. So it's just a matter of perception. And, I, uh, and education. The foraging totally changed everything for me. Okay, and then it would be also uh, education, too, because you don't want to grab things that are not Of course, you've got to get the... I, I have a, quite a few books. It, you definitely need to become a student of it and sit down and read the books and look at videos online and figure it out, but... Uh, I was I was even in Central Park like all summer long last year foraging mulberries, uh, service berries, apples, uh, wild greens. I, I almost Wait, thought I could have lived there all summer long and just lived off of the food there. Central in Park New in New York. In New York City, <laughs> I couldn't said? believe it. Uh, it was really it was so abundant. It was just a joke. It was great. Wow. And what about yeah. sprouts? Sprouts usually um, alfalfa sprouts. Radish sprouts, super easy. Uh, it takes maybe about three days, four days. I got a sprout jar. Um, I'd probably recommend using a bag just to keep the air moving a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I, I do the wheatgrass. It's um, yeah, space really isn't an issue, especially when it comes to sprouting. It can get a little messy sometimes, like there's always jars and bowls sitting on the countertop. But if you can set up a nice, you know, uh, smooth system of sprouting where you have everything on rotation and you, you know, it's it's in plain sight, so you don't forget about it. Sprouting can be a very beneficial thing. What, what I'm hearing you say, Anthony, is that it ta- it takes a little, <clears throat> excuse me, education, and it takes some time to get started at first. But once you've got this these plans in motion, that it doesn't take that much time to keep things going well, so that you have food all the time, or you have access to. Uh, resources where you can get food. Am I correct on that? Absolutely. It's just about getting in the flow. I mean, you can you develop that base information, and then you can just go off of that. You just kind of know it, it's been, like, imprinted into your DNA now, and you just know what to do with it. And especially when it comes to, like, growing the vegetables, and you want to make it as easy as possible. You want to set it up so you don't get overwhelmed with it later or bored with it. And I, I used to do that where I was growing wheatgrass, and I was using, like, the soil, and it was messy, and I just, I, I wasn't, like, putting them in the right spot, so sometimes I would forget about it at night, and they would dry out. So if you can just set up that system initially, it just, it almost guarantees your success later on. 
I think it's like anything else that's new. At first, you're, you, it's all confusing, and you don't know where to start. But there's so many resources now online, as you said, YouTube. You've got yeah. resources on your site, rawmodel.com, and, and links from there. Um, did you find when you started doing a lot of this that more resources opened up to you? Uh, such a good question. This was really, um, this was a really important for me. I found that book. And then I kind of thought that that book was all I needed. Like, I had the base info, and I was like, okay, this makes sense. I'm going to eat live food. I'm going to eat greens. And um, after maybe a couple months, I was suffering for it because I wasn't looking in any other areas. I felt deprived. And I was kind of, um, honestly, I was probably too cheap to go out and buy another raw food book. I I thought I had this one. I thought it was enough. And if I would have done that, I would have been so much further ahead now, but I really kind of like stagnated my growth. I didn't want to buy a Vitamix or a high-speed blender because I thought it was, you know, too much. So I was eating chunky smoothies for two years. <laughs> I was and wasting my time trying to like mix it with a spoon every so often, and oh, it's just horrible. Um, I didn't want to get a dehydrator. So, you know, it's all these same things. So then I wasn't making any like fun raw desserts or like a food processor. So it's it's a... It's a whole new thing, so you have to realize that you might have to invest some money to make it work. I mean, the stove isn't being used anymore. The microwave isn't being used anymore. So there's some new appliances that need to kind of come into your life. And a little investing early on goes a long, long ways afterwards. If I would have got a Vitamix right away, I probably wouldn't have had those crazy cravings because I wouldn't have been eating, like, applesauce with made out of spinach and kale and apples, you know, so... Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of getting that information and investing a little bit early on, and especially having some community. I didn't know any other raw people, and I didn't know any websites to look. I was kind of very unresourceful about this, but the community, the information, and a few good appliances can make all the difference when making that transition. Now, if you were to tell somebody the two most optimal appliances that they should get if they're brand new, what would you suggest? I would say, uh, depending, I would definitely say the high-speed blender, Mm -hmm. and then it would either be between the food processor and the dehydrator. More so, I would say the food processor, but a lot of times being able to make crackers and cookies with the dehydrator can make that transition so much simpler than, you know, not having those things and then going out and buying laced potato chips or Doritos. So it depends. Like, if a person feels like they, they more are in favor of cookies and chips and crackers, I would say maybe a dehydrator is right for you. If you like puddings and different kind of things that maybe a food processor can make, I would go with the food processor. Um, a lot of people have a food processor already, and you can get them for so cheap now, maybe like $30, $40. Mm-hmm. I would probably consider that, but um, the food the food dehydrator really came in handy later on. It was kind of nice to make those things. And, and personally, I would suggest you get a decent one. Um, I know the the inexpensive round ones work, but when you're looking to make something uh, like kale chips, yeah, you really want to have something decent. And and as 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 Anthony is saying, don't go cheap on yourself. I know I know a lot of people are saying, well, I just don't have the funds. Well, um, get another job. I know it sounds, it sounds crude, but that's what I did. 
I mean, yeah. I, I worked my butt off to get what I want. I, I delivered pizza, believe it or not. I delivered newspapers, and I worked a day job, and I had what I wanted when I wanted it. Mm-hmm. And this is my suggestion. It's not, you know, I'm not speaking for Anthony, but this is my suggestion. Do what you got to do to get what you want. Yes. And get a good foundation and then take it the next step. We'll be right back with uh, Raw Model, uh, Anthony Anderson, rawmodel.com. Go there, check out his website. It's got a lot of interesting stuff. It's got recipes and links and resources. And I love that saying, nature's a buffet. It is. (laughs) We'll be right back. Don't go away. Hi, this is Revel. We're back with Rockin' Radio. To, to remember uh, to find all my podcasts, including this one, you can go to Revel.com, and that's with two V's as a victory and two L's. Let's talk raw.com. You gotta go there. You got you've gotta be able to ask these people the questions I don't remember to ask. We've gotten some great, great people on there. Uh, Dr. Doug Graham uh, was just on as of this uh, Tim Tim Van Orden. Oh my god, what an interview we had with him. Philip McCluskey lost 200 pounds uh, in two years eating raw food. You've got to ask these people questions, and the only way to do it, come on, letstalkraw.com. Now, we're here today with Anthony Anderson, rawmodel.com. And, Anthony, you do a lot of training in order to get your body to look like it does. Yes, I and do. You mentioned some <laughs> kind. you mentioned some of the things you do. Um, would you consider that you you cross train and you just do whatever you feel to do on a particular day, or do you do anything on a set pattern? Uh, nothing is really set. I used to go to the gym a lot when I was living in New York. Um, I had roommates, and everything was kind of tight, so there really wasn't some much room for that. So I would go to the gym um, sometimes twice a day. Like I would go and I would do treadmill in the morning, and then I would have breakfast, and then I would work out at nighttime. But a long time ago. Now it's mostly just, it's always at home. I've got a few dumbbells. I've got a 25-pounder and a 10-pounder, and I'll do that whenever, um, you know, when, just when the time calls, I'll, just, I'll do some curls and some shoulder work, and then I'll just do usually push-ups and sit-ups. And it's not even really about the technique. It's more about consistency. The person that looks like they've had good results has been doing it consistently um, for quite a while. Usually that's the case. It's not really how they're doing it or, or, you know, what they're doing. It's mostly that they've just kind of stuck with the game plan for a while, and now it's showing. So above all, I would, I would just say set your environment up so that it's conducive to sticking with the program, whether it's listening to an audio book while you're doing your exercises or watching TV while you're doing your exercises. Just make sure that you can stick to it and just kind of feel out the body. Like whenever, you know, finally your shoulders aren't so sore anymore, you know, put on something, watch it for a half an hour, and do shoulder exercises if that's what it takes. I mean, my, like my mom, uh, God love her, you know, um, she's great, but she can't seem to make that connection where she spends a lot of time in front of the TV at night, but she's not working out. She says that she needs to work out, and she's in okay shape, but... Um, she wants to work out, but she sits in front of the TV like two or three nights every evening, and she doesn't work out. So all she would have to do is stand in front of it and just do some exercises. And then really it's just about consistency. These things take small steps, but after a while you can really see the results. And I would add make it fun. Make it fun. 
Yeah, connect something pleasurable to it so that, you know, you have an awesome super smoothie after your workout or you're listening to music that you really like or listening to an audio book that you're enjoying. Make it uh, more pleasurable than painful. Absolutely. Um, Anthony, what, what do you do for water? Do you, do you recommend any particular kind? Um, usually I do filtered well water out in Minnesota. It's just a, it's a well that was drilled. Uh, we're out in the woods here, so it's pretty clean, and we filter that just in case there's any um, metals or something. I don't know, just being safe. Uh, whenever I'm in the city, it's always bottled water, unfortunately. It's usually uh, Fiji I like. And then whenever I'm in Los Angeles, there's this stuff called Ice Age water, and it's in a dark blue bottle. Mm-hmm. And I, I see it for sale like on the West Coast more. And I really, really like that water. That water's really smooth. Um, I, I would bring back cases of it if I could. That stuff is great. Why can't I, I want to start getting into spring water because my friend Drew Mill uh, out in Delaware, he's got some good hookups, and he's friends with Daniel Vitalis. They've got a good thing going. So I kind of want to – I need to start trying more spring water, but it's really kind of tough for me here. Uh, I can't make that connection yet, but I'd like to get into that more. Mm-hmm. That would be great with what you're doing with the permaculture. Mm-hmm. I, well, I drilled a well uh, – it's amazing how you know easy uh, we take for granted the idea of just having water when we move into an apartment and water just comes on. But I had to have these guys come out and drill a well, and it was like seven thousand dollars to drill water. So um, it's just it's amazing how like disconnected we are sometimes, like where the toilet flushes and where the water comes from and. Um, I'd like to get some more spring water set up. I need to find out some local sources, and maybe I can get some five-gallon pails and bring that back. Yeah, okay. Uh, so what's on the agenda for you for the next uh, few months? Well, I'm, it's kind of a balance between modeling and permaculture right now. I'm trying you know, to eventually make the transition where I can be here most of the year working on this project and then maybe just fly in for a job like fly to New York, do a job, and then come back. I'm trying to get to that stage. Uh, I'm 27, so there's still, like, a lot of time left. Uh, it's get, there's, you know, I can still work for definitely a few more years doing that. You know, I, I don't love that career at all. It's more just a way to make money, and it gives me a lot of free time to read and do some other things. Um, it, I'm going to be in New York probably all of March and then a little bit of April, and then I pretty much want to get back to Minnesota and start growing again. Uh, eventually, I need to make a little bit more so I can build this small, I have this small little cabin that I want to build out here, and um, I'll, I'll need a little bit more money for that. But then once that's set up, I can kind of like coast on it. I'd like to try and phase that out and focus more on living foods, permaculture, education, um, kind of recreating paradise in the world, you know, planting more trees. I would love to get in touch with the Obama administration and get them in some kind of fruit tree planting idea at, you know, hospitals or uh, elementary schools, high schools, wherever, uh, as part of their green initiative. Uh, Something like that, you know, getting people more conscious about, you know, making paradise here instead of, you know, complaining that it's so bad. You know, let's construct it. Let's make it happen. Um, get inspired, grow our own food, save some money in the process, and just create a better life for ourselves, not depend on politicians to make it better for us. You know, take the steps, take control of our own lives, and, and make it happen. 
Yeah, absolutely. Take a, take our own health too, and stop expecting them to come up with a health, quote unquote health care plan. That's never going. Yeah. It's not. It can't happen. Oh, I know. We're, we're like children sometimes as a as a culture. You know, we're just looking to mom and dad to to fix it for us. You know, it's like I think it's really time to step up and and take some responsibility in our lives. I really don't feel sorry. I mean, I I want to be compassionate, but you know, you. You reap what you sow. People are unconscious their entire lives, you know, eating garbage, and then they want to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. And they want things to, you know, be paid for, and they want us to pay for it through our taxes. And I'm definitely very leftist. I'm very, you know, I believe in freedom of all sorts. But when it comes to, like, financial responsibility and taking care of yourself, it's kind of a, I'm kind of conservative, I guess, in that idea. You know, I really believe we should do our best to take care of ourselves not like, you know, if some kind of accident happens, I'm rambling now, but, but as far as like day-to-day health, taking care of our bodies, making sure we're not sick when we're older, um, I, I really feel it's up to the individual. You know, we can't expect the government to spoon-feed us health. No, and I, I, I totally agree. I, I actually had that uh, conversation many years ago with a friend who had children, and she she thought I should support her children going to school, and I said I didn't have the children, mm-hmm. and I should not be responsible for their schooling. And and personally, I don't think people should have children un, unless they can afford to support them. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. she says, "Well, that's because you don't have children." I said, "Yes, I can't afford to support them." <laughs> <laughs> well, she probably couldn't either. <laughs> no, she couldn't. No, it came down uh, to that. No. I'm a I'm a big fan of homeschooling too. I don't think I would want the state to ever educate my children oh my if I had children. Absolutely. I, I think the education is totally inferior and it just teaches them to obey authority figures. I I would much rather just do it myself like most things in life. Yeah, and and I think the way you're doing it because of how you live as far as going out into nature, teaching, I mean those kind of things are they're they're survival when we get out of school now. We don't know how to survive. Yeah, no. Well, not we. They. (laughs) I've done my time there. (laughs) But yeah, it it comes down to they don't know how to survive. And that is, I mean, why are we going to school? Or why are the kids going to school if they don't know how to survive? Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Yeah, it's um, college is a business, you know, and I think high school is an institution to kind of get kids in that mode of thinking, you know, where they want to have a job and they want to pay taxes and and, um, you know, I just think it's just they're trying to make robots out of everybody. So, Absolutely. Um, get out of school, go out and get married, buy a mm-hmm. house, go into debt, buy the best car you can, go into more debt, have children, go into more debt, and then live a life of quiet desperation. Yeah. 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 It's no coincidence that that's the culture that's encouraged, I think. Well, let's, let's change the encouragement. Let's, yeah. Let's show what's possible. Yeah. You know? You're doing a great job with it. Thanks, Raul. You're welcome. Anything else you want to say as, as a closing, Anthony? Uh, I just want to say thank you to everybody listening. Thank you for, for reading. There's a lot more coming. I'm making a lot more videos these days, uh, just trying to get the information out there, trying to show people what kind of potential they have. I think raw food is, is a major, major key to opening up consciousness and bringing more peace on this planet. I think raw food is a, is a massive key to that puzzle. 
I, I agree, and I thank you for taking your time to be here with us today. It's, it's, it's my pleasure. It is my pleasure, and um, I'm sure you'll be hearing from people who have listened to this. Rawmodel.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Um, um, <laughs> what am I saying? Anthony, don't go away. I'll be right back. I, I'm right here. <laughs> okay. So for our listeners, remember, go right now to register for letstalkraw.com. We're going to see if we can get Anthony on uh, when he gets back, or maybe after the Raw Spirit Festival. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode of Rockin' Radio. Please feel free to go to rockinradio.com to purchase books and DVDs by many of my guests to help keep this program on the air. If you'd like to advertise on or sponsor this program, please contact me at rockinradio at mac.com, M-A-C.com. My engineer is Bo Astrup. I'm Revel Revity Singh. Remember to revel in life and always play with your food. Bye for now. <laughs> That's great. Thank you.